the two. You may be seated. Why don't you three over here and you can be right here. Perfect. All right. Baptism. Exciting. Yesterday, a wedding. Exciting. See some of the family right there. Um, we had a Christian funeral a couple days ago. Exciting. God is weaving through the lives of his people. And for me, it's exciting to have a baptism for Sarila. And uh, there you are. And you're just uh, a cutie and behaves all the time, right? Yeah, okay. Well, we make our beginning in the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's uh, talk about the why of baptism. The scriptures uh, paint a story, and the story is what I call bad news and good news. The bad news, after God created the heavens and the earth and he made Adam and Eve, they disobeyed and sin came into the world. And as a result of that sin, we would be separated from God forever. That's the bad news. The good news, God didn't want that separation. And he was going to do whatever he had to do to, well, to bring back his children into his family again. And so he sent his only son to come to this earth as a babe in Bethlehem. He grew up, had a perfect life. He went into Jerusalem. He ended up being betrayed, arrested, beaten, placed on a cross, and then put into a tomb. But then he rose again from the dead. And that same Jesus then was talking to his followers after his resurrection. And he gave them the marching orders for the church. In other words, what are we supposed to do? And in Matthew 28, we hear these words. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe everything I have commanded. And then he gives the promise, and I will be with you always to the very end of the age. And that beautiful promise at the end is what we're here for. And as wonderful as the birth process is, right, and you can look at the little miracle of the fingers and the toes and the nose and all the cute little things, um, this miracle of rebirth in Water and the Word is the miracle we're focusing in on today. And um, it's an amazing gift that God has given. And if you noticed, it said, in teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. So the process of teaching and making sure that she grows up knowing Jesus is on the parents. Also, we have some godparents that said, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll walk alongside of you. I will pray for her. I will encourage her. Um, I'll model the Christian faith. You know, you, you just do this. And it is a very important spiritual responsibility. So um, I'm going to give you these cards. These are reminders of what you're promising to do. So I'm just going to give you both because your hand, hands are full. Uh, but if you're willing to take on a very important spiritual responsibility, then answer, I will with God's help. Good. May God give you the love and faith to do that. And um, the faith in which she's going to be baptized into is summarized in the Apostles' Creed. So I'd like to have that up on the screens, and you're going to see it down on these screens so you, we can all join together as we profess this faith in God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So together, I believe in God the Father Almighty, 
maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born to the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right, if you would bring her over. Just place her here. Cyrilla and Martinez, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And may our Heavenly Father who brought you into his family keep you safe in his loving arms forever and ever. Amen. So you got to see a miracle. You got to see God's grace. You got to see a gift that was given. And like we talked before, kind of a new tradition for us, I would like to encourage you to applaud and to give thanks for what God just did. So if you would. And as much as we applaud and give thanks, we also continue to pray because it's really you know, important as she grows up physically, emotionally, intellectually, that she would grow up spiritually, knowing Jesus as Lord and Savior and friend. And so, one of the, the traditions we have here as well is to, to give um, a candle. Jesus said himself, he said, I am the light of the world. And our desire is that the light of Jesus would shine in her heart and life, uh, not just today, but tomorrow and each day. And so, as God's spirit continues to be poured out as a gift, may that happen. So, all right, thank you. You can make your way, if you would. And if I could have up on the screen, uh, over this uh, well, the last, we'll say, six months, seven months, we still have been having new disciple launches. And it's opportunities for people who have been maybe coming to 1C, wanting to know what we believe as a church, uh, what you can expect of us as a church, and then also our hopes for you. And um, you'll see, let's put the list of the names up there. I'm not going to read them through, but, you know, 30-some um, new people, new members that said, yeah, I want to be part of this faith family. And so we, we welcome them into the family of God. And I would like to take a moment to pray, to pray for them, pray for all of us as we continue to do the work that God has given us to do. Let's pray. Lord, uh, brand new member, Sarila, and we thank you for um, all that you are doing in her life. Um, Lord, we have a list of names of people who have taken a, um, a class, and, and we had good conversation, and they want to be part of this family. And Lord, we pray a blessing on them and us together as we work diligently to further your kingdom, to honor you, to give you glory and might. So thank you again for bringing these people into our midst, and may we then be faithful in sharing your love and your word all people. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.
sea of forgetfulness The chains of yesterday surround me I yearn for peace and rest I don't want to end up where you found And it echoes in my mind Keeps me awake tonight I know you've cast my sin as far as East is from the west And I stand before you now as, as though I've never sinned This day I feel like I'm just one mistake away From you leaving me this way Jesus, can you show me just how far The east is from the west Cause I can't bear to see Man, I've been rising up in me again in the arms of your mercy. I find rest because you know just how far the east is from the west. Once got into the other. Me. Mm-hmm. 
I was back there listening to the song, and and, uh, the phrase, east is to the west, we find it in the scriptures, Psalm 103. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. So the psalmist, as you've heard me say, will often talk about the human condition and God's solution. So the human condition, according to the psalmist, is that we have sin or iniquities. And he also says the solution is God taking our sin and taking them as far as the east is from the west. I don't know about you, I don't know what that means. I don't know how far east is and I don't know how far west is, but it's juxtaposed. It's taken far away from us. So let's thank him for that. Gracious God, we come to you thankful for the way in which you work. You created us. You made us. You you also noticed how sin crept into humanity. And while we deserve to be separated from you forever, you would have none of that. So you sent your only son. And through all that he accomplished on the cross and the empty tomb, You have brought forgiveness of sins and eternal life with you. So thank you for dealing with our sin. Thank you for wiping the slate clean so that we, your children, can live lives that are pleasing to you. So may we, your children, may we reflect all that you have done for us through Jesus in our interactions with our family, our friends, Uh, people in our community. Thank you for being at work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I pray that you know that truth. Not just when you come to a church, but, you know, every single day when you wake up in the morning, go to bed at night, remember, Jesus takes care of your sin. And he loves you dearly. A couple quick announcements as we continue to move forward. I notice we have some guests here today. We're delighted that you're with us in worship. Um, we'd like to meet you and greet you. There's two ways to do it. One is you can go to Next Steps. We have a place right in the family gathering area, and we can meet you there. Um, if you'd rather, you can also text us. Uh, text 1C Guest to 94000, and then we can um, welcome you at least digitally. So if you'd like to do that, but we'd love to get to know you. Also, if you're sitting here today and you have a prayer request and you'd like to include it in worship, uh, we always have prayer request forms out, out in the family gathering area. But you can also use your phones and you could text to 402-242-5051 and you could uh, put in your prayer request and we can include it in worship today. And if you're on Facebook Live today, we welcome you. and glad that you're with us in worship. But you can use the comment section and if you would like to include a prayer there that you would like in worship we will do that as well. And also, just a reminder that a little later in the service, we're going to have the Lord's Supper, or it's also known as Holy Communion. And on the way in, uh, we're hoping that you received the elements for communion. If you didn't, uh, during this next song, you'll have some time to be able to go out and get the elements there in the family gathering area by the kitchen window. But I just want to remind you what we believe here at 1C regarding this meal. Jesus was in the upper room about 2,000 years ago. 
He was celebrating the Passover meal, and that was the meal that God told them to, to, to faithfully to do every single year and remember how God saved and spared them from the angel of death. And so Jesus was uh, being a very good Jew, and he was in that upper room, but as he was celebrating the meal, he gave it a new meaning and new significance. And here at 1C, we just take Jesus' words literally. Because when he had the bread and the wine, he said, this is my body and this is my blood for the forgiveness of sins. So if this is what you believe, we invite you, encourage you to celebrate uh, this precious meal with us. In just a little bit, we'll be having that. Again, may God continue to be glorified through his people as we worship him. So before we start this next song, I want to ask you guys a question. Um, I was picking songs this week, and one of the songs was the one Aiden's getting ready to sing called Turn Around by Matt Marr. Uh, how many of you guys know that you're really loved by the God of this universe? I mean, how many of you guys actually sit and think about that sometimes? You know, yeah, there we go. we got some hands up. Yes, we're all loved, and that's one of those things where if you read your Bible, if you study the Bible, listen to some of these Christian songs we talk about, you know, it's, his love is amazing. And... One of the things that I've seen in the last couple of days, you know, I've had friends talk to me, and I was at the suicide walk yesterday, and we talked about how uh, there was a speaker yesterday that talked about how he, his life was so screwed up and how he wanted to take his life, and, and he didn't, and he's actually leading this really cool group for it, uh, for people who are dealing with mental issues. But he, uh, he brought up something, and he said, you know, I felt like I could never be loved, I'm never worthy. And if you really think about it, we're only one step away from God no matter where we're at. All you got to do is turn around. So that's what this song's about. Single mom. 
Good morning, boys and girls. My family and I love to grow closer together as we spend time camping in God's beautiful creation. Some of you may be thinking, Greg, that's not really camping. You need to pitch a tent and rough it, or maybe just sleep in sleeping bags under the stars. But you know what? This is the type of experience that my family likes to have when we go camping. We like to have a warm, cozy bed. A heated camper, especially on cool evenings like last night. You know what? We also like to cook over the open fire. We like to make pudgy pies. Pudgy pies are when you take buttered bread, you put in this iron and fill it with pizza sauce, cheese, all the good pizza toppings that you love, and then cook it over the open fire. And then after, we make dessert by filling those pieces of bread with blueberry or apple pie filling and then sprinkling sugar and cinnamon over the top, that is really good. And if we're gonna sit around a campfire to cook our food and enjoy and eat our meal and eat together, we need to bring some camp chairs along with us too so that we can sit down and enjoy that time together. We also like to go out and explore. So we take bikes with us so that we, we can go and explore the campgrounds or explore the trails and the woods. We love to go out and do things like that. And we take all this equipment with us so that we have everything we need to go and enjoy the time together and grow closer together out in God's creation. As a church family, we also wanna to grow together and we wanna experience God's presence, not in a camper, but through coming together for worship, spending time in God's word, the Bible, and in prayer. And we also wanna explore, not on bikes, but we wanna explore faith and life together as we connect together with each other around God's word. And then we also wanna be equipped, not with chairs and pudgy pie irons, but equipped by God 
to go out on the mission that he's called us to go into. And we want to go out, not to a campgrounds, but out into the community to build bridges and to share Christ's love with others. So boys and girls, you have a great day while I get ready to make breakfast. And that's actually where he is now. I don't know where he is, but he's camping somewhere eating pudgy pies. That part of camping I think I would like. So, all right, uh, now what? Up, in, and out. What I'd like to do is begin uh, the message today showing you several pictures. And you've heard this phrase, right? A picture is worth a thousand words. Well, I'm going to try to use a thousand words for every picture because I, I want you to see something here of how God works, all right? This is God's work. I want to start off right here. Uh, this is Rabbi Michael Tversky, Orthodox Jewish rabbi, uh, lives still living in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and that's his family, and if you count, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight children. They lived right next door to me growing up. In fact, that picture probably, I don't know, maybe eight, I, I was eight or nine years old, and there was um, a boy named Ben Sian, my same age, who became a, a rabbi. So, kind of interesting. Well, um, my parents taught me how to be good neighbors. Uh, some of the stuff that we would do, if you're an Orthodox Jewish rabbi and family, uh, on the Sabbath, which is Friday sundown to Saturday sundown, or sundown, is that you cannot do any work. And work can be anything from opening a door to turning an air conditioner on. I mean, they take it very serious and literally. So if we were in the summertime and the temperature got a little bit too warm in their house, they could walk over to our house because it's under so many steps, because that's part of the law too, and they would be down there, and it would be Ben Cian usually, would come over and he would yell, call for Jamie. Now back then I was called Jamie. You don't call me Jamie now. And I would, I would hear him, I would look down, I'd come down, and he would say, could you turn our air conditioner on? It's kind of warm. So I'd go over and I'd just flip the switch and I'd leave. I mean, and we would just do things for them like that. Another thing that we used to do was at the Passover time, uh, especially in or Orthodox Jews, they needed to sell every possession that they had. Everything. And so right before Passover starts, my dad and I would go to Rabbi Tursky's office, and it was a little office. He would be there with probably seven different rabbis that um, are parts of different temples throughout uh, the country. And my dad would bring silver coins and a handkerchief, and there was some kind of whatever that took place. You know, it was, it was all in Hebrew at the time, and I, I knew a little bit, but not a lot. Um, but it was always interesting, when we were getting um, ready to do this, Rabbi Tversky would introduce um, my dad and I. And they would say, um, uh, Rabbis, uh, uh, this is uh, Captain Thomas Thielen. My dad was a detective. And then they would say, and this is Pastor Jim Thielen. I, the, normally there was kind of a look. Because why would a Gentile, why would a pastor be doing this? Well, my parents taught me that being a good neighbor, a loving neighbor, a kind neighbor was important. And so uh, we did that for many, many, many years until my dad passed away and then I moved. Uh, but we got to know them and um, really uh, dear friends of ours. 
Another story, if you would. Um, I incorrectly at the last service said this is a, a symbol for hijacking. I didn't mean that. It's a symbol for hitchhiking. There's a big difference between hijacking and hitchhiking. <laughs> know that, right? You know that, right? Good. Um, so you're out like this. Well, the story is I'm about eight or nine years old. We are in a car in northern Wisconsin, back in the, in the, um, the backwoods, dirt roads. Nobody's out there. And we're just, we're going all over the place looking for all sorts of kind of fun stuff. And we come upon a car that has the hood up, and there's two Native Americans there. And you could tell that something is not right. And so we stop. My dad gets out of the car. They talk. And then all of a sudden, my dad comes back in and says, well, uh, we're going to give these young men a ride back into town. Um, maybe for my mom and you know, I don't know, it was a little uncomfortable, a little unfamiliar, but it was just something my parents did. They just, if somebody was in trouble, they would help them. It's kind of neat, all right? So, hold on to those two stories. And this is now a picture of my mom and dad. And you can see the height disruptions, right? My mom was four foot eight, my dad was six foot two. Um, incredible people. They didn't go to church a lot, but let me tell you, they demonstrated Christ's love in so many different ways. I mean, they were just kind and loving and considerate, and I, I learned a lot from them. In fact, um, my mom, her grandma lived with um, her mom, and you could just see that it's just what you do. You, you just help out, you step up, you do things. So when my parents were getting older and they both had health issues, my wife, Kristen, who, you know, if you don't know her, she is a saint. One, to be married to somebody like me needs to be a big saint. But she was willing to take in my parents for 10 years. That's a long time. My mom passed away after five years into it, and then my dad lived with us for about 10 years, and then um, he had Alzheimer's and then other issues. But it was just kind of what we were used to. In fact, I remember... Uh, Kristen's mom took in her mom and just, it was part of the culture. Not everyone has that, so I don't expect everyone to do that. But that's what I grew up with, okay? So put that in, and if you would. So, fast forward a little bit. After my parents passed away, I just felt a calling that God wanted me to go to do some foreign mission, short-term mission work. And uh, I came to know the people in Haiti, and it was after the earthquake. And you know how devastating that earthquake was. So I remember um, God tugging on my heart to go there. So I, I go to Haiti. Um, I'm in what's called the canteen, which is an enclosed truck. And we're driving from Port-au-Prince out to the mission compound. And we're driving, and there's windows there, and you know we're looking out. And we're going by this area that is really much, uh, there's not a lot. It's just pretty flat with some hills and and it was a big expanse, so we'll say six football fields. But as I'm driving by, I'm having this overwhelming emotional feeling, and I'm not sure what it was. So I go, I turn to the uh, translator, and I said, what's this feel? What's this all about? And he said, this is where the mass graves are for the hundreds of thousands of people who lost their lives in the earthquake. It, it, it made sense why I was feeling this. Well, I get to the compound um, that first day we just settled in, and then the next day it begins. And in the morning, it was 
we're going to work at the school, we're going to help paint, we're going to do some different things. Then we have lunch, and then we get in the canteen again, and we're going to drive out to the villages, and we're going to go to orphanages. And I, we pull up to the first one, and we get out, and before we're even getting out of the canteen, the orphanage doors open, and stream of like 30 or more kids come out. And they grab you around the legs and they're just, they're not going to let go. They're just really just loving you. And as I was walking closer, there was this boy, this young, young man. His name's Job. He was up against a, a building and he was sitting there and, you, and his head was down. And I went to the translator, I asked, you know, what's going on? Translator talked to the director, and the director said that it was just today that he came down from the hill country. He watched his parents get murdered. And he is shell-shocked. And I'll tell you that my heart was drawn to him. And so when it was time to, to give the treat out, and you'll, you'll get this, this is like wild. A treat for somebody in Haiti in an orphanage is water. So we had this five-gallon thing of water with little Dixie cups, and it was time to give that out. And the kids were just like, this is the best thing ever. And um, I just was drawn to Job. So I got my little cup, and I go over by him, and he would not look at me. I sit down next to him, and I'm just sitting there waiting and waiting. And I could tell that he was lifting his eye, and he was looking at the water. Eventually, he let me give him the water. Eventually, he came into my arms. And then we spent about an hour and a half there, and we did some Bible um, stories, acting them out, and it was time to leave. And to this day, I have a hard time because he didn't want to let go. He held on for dear life. And to peel him off and hand him to uh, the director was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done. Now, that's 10 years ago, and I keep praying for this little boy. I don't know what his, his story's like. So there's kind of a, a common thread going on here. So here's another story. Some of you remember I talked about Christian Mapodi. He was from Togo. He sent me an email, and, um, and I was a little suspicious, like, is, is this the real deal? Is it a scam? And so after I did my homework, he was the real deal, and he was coming to America to go to school, and after he got here, he told us about his wife and his newly born son. His son was, I think, two weeks old when he got on the plane to come to America. And as we were talking, you know, he had tears in his eyes. He was hoping that he could bring his wife and son over. And so I, we put together a fundraiser as a church. We raised enough funds to be able to fly them over. Um, but, the, but where he was staying... Uh, they, they did not want to have a whole family there. So I went to my wife, who is a saint, and she said, of course. So we brought in this family, and they lived with us for a year. And this is just one of the many moments with, where John and I were just goofing, uh, goofing along together. I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that. Um, a great story. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. These are words of Jesus, and I don't know what they mean to you today. And I don't know what it means for you 
to where God is sending you. But I'm going to tell you, it works really well for us to listen to where he wants to send us to go. And for me, some of it was being a good neighbor. Some of it was bringing my parents, you know, into our home. Some of it was going to Haiti. Some of it was bringing the Mapodes into the house. Some of it is, you know, moving from Arizona to Nebraska. So that's my journey. I don't know what yours is. But it, it goes really well for us to listen to God's prompting and what he has to say. So I want you to hold on to those words from John chapter 20. These words were shared after his resurrection, before his ascension into heaven. All right, um, Paul talks about this. Remember the apostle Paul? He used to be Saul. He was a Christian killer, and God got his attention. Now he's Paul, the missionary, and he is painting a picture of what life is supposed to be like. And he says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. And if you ever get a chance to study the life of Paul, one thing that you're going to find out, he was a missionary like none other. He did not have mass transit. He didn't have an airplane to jump on. But historians... And theologians, when they look back on Paul and they look at the journey for the three missionary journeys that he had and all the, the miles that were traveled, all the people that were touched with the gospel, it really is, it's profound. He was motivated, he was moved by something that was powerfully at work within him. And I'm going to tell you, my prayer is that same spirit that moved powerfully at work within him would move within you and me that we would go wherever he wants to send us, that we would listen. And who knows what that might be. It might be picking up the phone and calling somebody and sharing with them Christ's love. It might be going to your neighbor. It might be, but listen intently. If you remember, we, we've talked about Acts 1 verse 8 several times. And when, he, when Jesus spoke these words to the disciples, it really did mean something geographically. You know, he said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. They knew what that meant. They knew where Jerusalem was. They knew Judea. It was kind of a region, uh, an area. Samaria was, oh, it was a little further, and it was a little different. And then the ends of the earth, they didn't even know what that meant yet. Um, but I'd like to have you consider a different way to look at these. I would like you to look at each of those categories as Jerusalem, the people closest to me. Judea and Samaria, people near, but maybe a little bit different. Like for me, it was this Orthodox Jewish rabbi right next door. Or how about the ends of the earth? Could God be calling you to go somewhere, wherever that is, and bring the gospel of Jesus to somebody like Job? Maybe. I'm just going to bring you back to that John 20 passage, right? As the Father has sent me, so I send you. So he wants to send you and me, and we need to be ready to go where he wants to send us. All right? All right. I'm going to share with you three different phrases, sharing, daring, and caring. And I'm going to go through each one. I'm going to give you a couple Bible verses to consider as we look at, I believe, God's calling for you and me. First off is sharing with those in my world. 
All right, and I, the first scripture is Luke chapter 8. Let me set the context for it. Jesus comes, and he is now going to cast out a demon. Not just a demon, but a legion of demons. And after he casts the demons out, Jesus now instructs the man. And he says, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. You see, what happened was his world was turned upside down and he could not contain the joy that he now has because he has been changed and blessed by Jesus. And I, You know, I can give you story after story in the Gospels themselves, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Many different stories of where people and their life was changed and they couldn't contain their joy. So I want you to be knowing that as God has changed you, we are to have a joy that is ready to share, to share it with whomever. In fact, as we look in 2 Peter, we see um, this is really the message. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So as we have this joy, we also need to have the knowledge. God's desire is that not a single person perish. In other words, be separated from God forever. He wants all people. So maybe one of the things you can start doing right now is think and pray and ask, God, who within my circle of influence, who that is close to me needs the gospel of Jesus so that they can have the joy, they can have the peace, they can have a changed life. So be willing to ask, God, who do you want me to share your good news with? Secondly, being daring to reach beyond my world. Now, Paul leans in in 1 Corinthians 9. And let me tell you, Corinth, back 2,000 years ago, is much like the United States. It wasn't just a, quote, colony of Christians and everybody got along. It was a melting pot of all different kinds of religion, all different kinds of culture, all different kinds of opinions, all kinds of different political things going on. Does that sound like the United States today? Yes. But what did Paul say? I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. And I'm thinking this is what moved him to, for these missionary journeys. This is what moved him to share with such a sense of urgency and zeal because he wants all to be saved and to know this good news. Matthew chapter 25, you know, Jesus is speaking. He's painting this picture. And um, he, he gets the response from two different people. You know, he's talking about, you know, helping and feeding, you know, those clothes. One group of people who were doing it and taking care of people said, well, we, Lord, we, we didn't know we were doing this. You see what happens when you're in Christ and you're moved by the Spirit and you have this joy. You don't sit back and say, well, this is what I did. Look at me. You just do it. But the other group, because they were self-centered, they missed all the opportunities to share with people in need. And they were all like, oh, Lord, we didn't know people were hungry. Hey, give me a break. And then Jesus didn't have some really kind words for that group of people. 
So again, for I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. I mean, this is the calling and the movement of God's people in our world today. This is, these are very specific, real, tangible ways in which we can share the good news of God's love for all kinds of people. Okay? All right, thirdly, caring about the whole world. A couple scriptures. Mark 16, very much like Matthew 28, what we heard over there. Jesus said to his followers, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. And I would, if I could have a little liberty, I think what Jesus would say to us today is be willing to go wherever I call you. I'm going to use you to bring the good news to people. It could be a neighbor, it could be a classmate, it could be a family member. It could be somebody on the other side of town. It could be somebody in a different part of Nebraska. It could be somewhere in the country. Or God might tug on your heart like he did for mine and said, go to Haiti. Bring the gospel. Love them. And I'll just say, I learned more than I probably gave. My life was changed as a result of that moment. So just be ready. Another scripture. Mark 8, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. I really think this is where Jesus is saying, don't make life about yourself. Too many times, and I'll, I'm going to say I am guilty, sometimes I measure my life and I get pretty selfish. And I don't want to lose what I have. And yet Jesus would come to me and he would come to you and say, you need to be ready. I'm going to call you. And I want you to share the message of God's love with your words, with your gifts and abilities and talents, whatever he's, whatever he's given you, he wants you to use as a disciple and follower of Jesus for the gospel. And then I found this scripture. This is Psalm 67. I found it in, I think it was the Living Bible version of it. It just said it differently than what I've been used to. It says, send us around the world with the news of your saving power and your eternal plan for all mankind. And it's almost a prayer from the psalmist to God, right? Saying, okay, send me wherever I'm ready, I'm willing, I'm able, because you are so loving. Use me. Use me. All right. We've spent about 12 weeks in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47 is a summary of what the church looked like 2,000 years ago. And here's kind of how it goes. They focused a lot on the teaching of the apostles. They experienced wonders and signs. They lived in a state of wonder and awe as they saw day in and day out the stark reality of God in healings and deliverances and changed lives of people being added to the church. They shared their possessions as freely with the needy as though they didn't even own them. They spent time in big groups in the temple. They ate together in their homes almost every day. And when they met each other, they met God, they prayed, and they praised. Do you, do you see what that looks like? I mean, this is dynamic. It's not static. And I think, and I'm going to speak for myself, too many times I am drawn to the static, which means not much changing. I'm pretty good with the status quo. 
But I believe when we are called and we know that calling, we live with a dynamic, which means I'm ready, Lord. I'm ready. Like when I leave here and we turn off the lights, if I'm being dynamic in the spirit, I'm going to be saying, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do next? Versus, whew, I preached two sermons today. I think I'm going to go and I'm going to watch some football. And the Green Bay Packers are the second game, just so you know. So I hope nobody has a problem during that time because I want that for me. I mean, do you get that? I am just as human as everyone. These battles and struggles. And yet, I think God is calling for a dynamic. So let me bring you to our way as a church to communicate Acts 2, 42 to 47. And you see it out in the family gathering area. You've heard it before. It's the, really the sub-theme for today, up, in, and out. So the first dynamic is we experience God's presence in worship, prayer, and his word. That's what the New Testament church was about. They, the individual person wanted to be with God in worship. The individual person wanted to spend time with God in prayer by themselves, talking to him and opening the scriptures. Because they knew that the up would strengthen the in and would empower us for the out. And it starts this way. And if you're feeling static, I'm going to challenge you to turn up the up. Turn up the worship part. Experience who God is. In moments like this as we get together, but also in the private of your household, open up the Bible and pray. Listen to God and experience who he is. Secondly, I do believe that the up moves us towards the in, where we get to explore faith and life together. This is God's idea. You know, I mentioned about um, the wedding yesterday. And the, the bride and the groom, they wanted the passage that says the two become one. Because they get it. They get the importance. That when God made Adam, it was like right away God noticed that it's not good for man to be alone. And so the Acts 2 church, and hopefully the church 1C in Columbus, Nebraska, in the year 2020 knows that we do better together. And I hope that you have this experience where you get to explore faith and life together. And if you don't have a group or if you don't know a group that you can be a part of, call me. I will help you find a group because there is a blessing and a dynamic that happens when we do that. All right? So I do believe that the up stirs us to be in so that we can go out to expand the mission of Jesus as we connect others to Christ. And I do believe it's that dynamic where Jesus says, right, I don't want anyone to be lost. In fact, the mission statement of Jesus, I would hope that it would be the mission statement for you and me. To seek and to save the lost. And the lost might be a family member that's really tough sometimes when it's a family member to talk about Jesus. I don't know about you. Or we're in this world today especially, right? There's two things you don't talk about. Politics and religion. I'm going to agree with the politic part. Don't talk, right? It, usually people are offended. But talk religion. And I mean religion as in Jesus Christ crucified and risen for the sins of the world. Talk about that. 
with people. So, that's it. Now, remember, this is the now what? We can look at the book called the Bible. We can look at the biblical instruction that we find in. But there is a moment that's going to be like, now what? What are you going to do with this? My prayer is that the word of God presented today will disturb you. It will disturb you so much that you will pray, Lord, may your spirit create a dynamic in me so that I would do more up, more in, and more out. All for your glory. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's go to God this morning. Father, we just thank you that uh, your son has made a way possible for us to come to you and to lay all of our prayers and thanks and troubles at your feet. Prayers for my daughter that she may have good test results from her biopsies. Prayers for a happy birthday for Barb Babel. Thank you, Jesus, for another year for her. Lord, please continue to make your presence known in all of our lives. Help us to know the path that you are guiding us on. And thank you for your everlasting love and forgiveness. A prayer for the family that passed away in the fire yesterday and their loved ones. Dear gracious Lord, please help my marriage. Grant me a forgiving heart and to place all my trust in you. For you tell us to put all of our trust in you and not depend on our own understanding. Prayers for wisdom and guidance in making a decision regarding my health. Prayers for our daughter that she stays safe in her battle against addiction and help her find her way. Prayers for my mom today to have an awesome day celebrating as it is her last day of chemo. Prayers for my aunt who is having medical issues that she can find an answer. Prayers for our son to grow and continue to be healthy. And another prayer, Lord, for peace in a divided nation. I pray that we all find our inner strength and kindness and to help others despite our differences. Prayers for Dale, who suffered a massive heart attack last night and underwent emergency life-saving surgery. A prayer of thanks for the team that God put in his life to save him in surgery. Watch over him and help him heal physically and spiritually. Prayers for Brock and Sandra Garbers, who were united in marriage yesterday. May you both find a path together on your own in pure happiness. Father, we just thank you for all these prayers that you've heard this morning and the ones unspoken that are on our hearts, that you hear us. And we just thank you for that, that you are always with us. We just need to turn around because you're always there. Join me in saying the prayer that the Lord taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I invite you to please take the elements out at this time.
And what I'll be doing first is I'm going to be sharing scripture. This is uh, found where Jesus is saying and instituting this gift of Holy Communion. And after I share that with you, then we will partake of the elements. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and after he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat, this is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. And in the same way also he took the cup after supper, and after he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament of my blood, which is given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. And the peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. So if you would, if you would take the bread. Take and eat. This is the body of Christ given for you. Then if you would take the wine or the juice. Take and drink. This is the blood of Jesus shed for you. We pray. Thank you, Jesus. Once again, you, you nurture us, you feed us, and we are blessed. Thank you for this gift of Holy Communion given out of love and received by faith. We thank you for the forgiveness of sins, the strengthening of our faith in you, and a reminder once again that you're always with us. So thank you. And to you be all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We. Oui. 
Thank you for coming today. Thank you for singing and hearing the word of God. And thank you that as you go out these doors, you do so with Jesus with you. A couple quick announcements. Uh, guests, glad you're with us in worship. Come back again. We'd love to have you. Uh, a couple of things. Uh, October 31st, it's a Saturday. It's our trunk or treat where we want to serve the community, have a little bit of fun, be COVID-sensitive. COVID um, so we're going to be doing it outdoors this time. So there's a couple ways in which you can help. Number one, pray. Just pray. All the details that have to be done. Um, pray that the people will come and be blessed by what we're going to do. Uh, two, if you would like to offer your trunk and be here and decorate and kind of dress up, we would love to have you. So let us know at the church office. Uh, if you would like to provide candy for those trunks, and remember from last week, Reese's peanut butter cups are especially needed in moments like these. All right? And, and they don't care what kind of Reese's peanut butter cups. Any kind is good. Somebody told me about this one-pound version. That, you know, that would be really good too. Uh, but any kind of candy would be helpful at this time. Um, also, please let people know about it. Tell your family, friends, coworkers, classmates that we're going to be having this. And we would love to have you come and be part of it. It's 6, 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock, October 31st, and it's all going to be outdoors. All right? Secondly, on November 1st, Sunday, from 1.30 to 3.30, we're going to get together for prayer. We're going to get together with the scriptures and the Bible. We're going to get together with music. Because as we come upon this next election... We need to pray. We need to pray, Lord, you put in place the person that you think that you know that will honor your values the greatest. That's how, when people ask me, well, how do you decide how to vote? I know it's confusing today. Everyone has an opinion. My, what I do, I pray, I look at the Bible, I look at the values that God has, and then I look at the candidates. Which one is going to honor those values the best? Because no one's going to do it perfectly. So we're going to get together and we're going to pray about those things and uh, we'd love for you to come and be a part of it. It's 1.30 to 3.30. Come for as much as you like or all of it. It's going to be live streamed as well so you can be uh, participating that way. But I think it's a great time for us as a church 
to go to our Lord at a time like this. Last is the blessing. So would you please stand and I want to share with you these, these words that come from God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.
go in peace and serve the Lord. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my Jesus. 